Today, I am joined by Spencer Martin, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Sonic Power. If you know about organizations like Trader Joe's um, or even the Halloween pop-up shops that go up around town in, in all of the abandoned buildings and, and storefronts during the Halloween season, if you understand the business concepts behind what makes those businesses thrive and actually do quite, quite well, then I think you're gonna find what Sonic Power is up to to be really, really interesting. Sonic Power is taking a lot of the principles that are taken away from Trader Joe's and from the Halloween stores and is applying it to the electronics category. I've had the great opportunity of getting to know Spencer, who's the founder over the past several months, uh, because he and I happen to be neighbors in our uh, co-working space here in Chapel Hill. And we've had some really terrific conversations about both of our businesses and have uh, shared a bunch of, of different ideas and thoughts with one another. But the more that I've had conversations with Spencer, I realized um, that he has some really, really unique uh, and interesting perspectives in kind of this tech-enabled world that we live in about how to beat the algorithm, which means how do you get in front of the right people at the right time to get them to take action. Uh, and he has some really interesting concepts about reinventing the electronics category uh, in the right age that we are at now. Uh, this is a really cool company. I, I very much enjoy getting to know more about them. I think they're on a very interesting path. Um, and while they don't currently have a raise uh, available for investment, I'm hoping I can inspire him in the, uh, the months and years to come uh, because I think it's a great business. I myself would love to invest in it. Uh, but as always, I, I think it's really valuable to just hear from great founders figuring out how to build uh, unique and interesting businesses with their own uh, angles and differentiation. So with that, let's kick it off. For those who don't know you like I do, Spencer, to go to those kind words, can you tell us yeah. a little bit about yourself and what Sonic Power is? Yeah. Sure, yeah. My, uh, my career has always been in consumer electronics. Uh, I started about 10, 15 years ago. It's, it's been quite a ride. Um, I started in the factory level. So, you know, working for, uh, Chinese manufacturers. So spent a lot of time in China, a lot of time sourcing. Um, so yeah, I, I did that right out of college from there. I quickly transitioned to more of the product side. Uh, I landed a role at magic leap, a high flying startup. It's, you know, Silicon Valley backed, uh, we, uh, we had quite a ride there as well. So learned a lot about product building, marketing, uh, you know, I, I, I really increased my chops on that side of the game. So Sonic Power is, I think a little bit of both, uh, before Sonic Power, I was doing private label consumer electronics, uh, mainly for fortune 500 companies, uh, think a lot, you know, Walmart target, they all have their own private label brands. I was sort of the back end of that on the factory level, product ideation, product pitching. Um, but I realized, you know, I could do this on my own. I think there's the opportunity, you know, I think, you know, it's not being done hundred percent rough. Um, and that's, you know, where Sonic Power evolved. Very cool. So first off, let, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, private label for those who don't know what private label is. What, what is that? The most successful example not in consumer electronics, but in private label in general, is Costco's Kirkland brand. Um, I think it's the biggest brand on the planet, all private label. So basically what they do is they go to factories that make X, Y, and Z name brands. Uh, Costco goes to these factories, 
and says, hey, can you make the same product, similar spec uh, for us under our name brand um, and sort of uh, taking out the middleman. So for them, it's a really profitable business. They're able to control the quality better. They're able to control the products, you know, what they, you know, what they want to launch when, you know, and it's, it's a huge business and super famous. Another one that comes to mind for a lot of people is Trader Joe's in the grocery space. We actually refer to ourselves as Trader Joe's for electronics because we're doing the exact same thing Trader Joe's is doing, but in the electronics space. Um, so we don't play in just one category like audio or TVs or, you know, like some of these electronics brands we play across all the categories, specifically mainly in the home right now, um, but all private label under our brand. So when people come into our store, which we can talk about, um, they go, wait, so what is Sonic Power? I go, it's, it's our brand. Or like, welcome to Trader Joe's for electronics. And then it kind of clicks and they go, oh my God, fascinating. I mean, for me, when I figured out Trader Joe's business model, you know, 10 plus years ago when I walked in and my my wheels started turning. Because I'll, you know, and so it's been a long time coming to finally bring this to market. I love that. Um, so yeah, if you've ever bought, you know, Wheaties that are not called Wheaties on the store shelves and it was cheaper, that right there is yeah. most likely private label. Um, lower cost goods, typically at or, or superior to the quality of products that you might be getting from the big name brands out there. Um, so you, you have this idea, yeah. you recognize that there's an opportunity, and you decide to strike out on your own and start Sonic Power. Um, so talk to me about some of the first steps to kind of get this thing off the ground. You know, you got to get inventory, you got to pick the right products. Uh, how have you gone about beginning this business and getting it off the ground. Sure. Yeah. I had a deep network in China already. And, uh, normally pre COVID I would go to China, uh, or Hong Kong at least. And, you know, start having those conversations, start visiting factories that specialize in private label, uh, and, you know, picking the products I think are best. Um, uh, but with COVID, you know, that's sort of when we started and we really got things going. I, I had to rely on my network and they, we had to do a little bit of, uh, you know, shipping back and forth. Um, so it was a longer process than it should have been. Um, but I was really, uh, stringent about, you know, what products made the cut. If I wasn't using it every day, if I wasn't instinctually picking up the product, it didn't make the cut. So it was a long process and I kind of QA'd and user tested the you know, myself and with my family and friends. And we sort of said, Hey, what are you picking up? You know, what do you like? What do you not like? Uh, and dwindled thousands of samples down to 20, uh, which, what, which is what we launched with March of, of this year. So yeah, that was the start. Um, you know, and then we, you know, I, I raised my friends and family around to start placing purchase orders and get the company set up. I put in, uh, my own money. Um, but friends and family around mainly, I would say 80% came from friends and family. The other 20 from me had a lot of success, uh, on Amazon. We had to launch on Amazon first. I think that's the perfect place to launch and really test your products, get real time reviews. Uh, there's sort of a built in traffic model there. If you, if you follow certain marketing strategies, which we can talk about. Um, but yeah, that was like the beginning and, um, you know, we've come a long way in eight months or I, I can't even some somewhere around eight months since launching. So let's talk about the value proposition of your business. So you're coming in with lower cost, competitive electronic goods. 
what does the lineup look like today? And then if you could give a couple examples of like how much you'd pay for the name brand versus what you're pricing it at for your, your private label opportunity. Sure. Great question. Uh, so we're, like I mentioned before, we're at about 20 products across many different categories. Um, I would say the closest, or the comparison, I, I have some product here. The, the comparison for, you know, what is you're going to pay, in, you know, for the big name brand versus what you pay with us. The name actually Sonic Power, to get background, we started, I started ideating on toothbrushes, something everyone used and paid way too much for. Or B, you know, Philips, you know, Sonic Air, um, you know, those are the big name brands that you pay anywhere from 150 to 350, you know, with all these bells and whistles when really it's just an electronic toothbrush. Ours, you pay 60, a lot of times it's on sale. Black Friday, you can get it for, you know, 20, 25, 30, depending on, you know, when, you know, what sales are running. So over half the cost of MSRP, you catch us on a sale day. Catch us on a you know a, a good time to buy seventy percent off. Same spec. We actually comes with four brush heads, um, you know a wall mount. You know it's it's a really nice kit for someone, especially for someone who hasn't had electric toothbrush. Uh, so that's one really good example. Um, you know you're you're saving yourself from a traditional retail seventy percent. Um, so think across you know massage guns. Think across noise canceling earbuds. We do an air fry oven. We do countertop appliances. We do air fry oven. We do uh, an ice machine and a uh, espresso machine, all in that one fifty to one hundred dollar range. Versus, you know, if you buy a Breville or you know a name brand, you're paying a grand. Now, one of the other things about Trader Joe's that I've always found interesting is that they have dramatically less number of products. Right? If you go to a normal store, you might find. 20, 25 different peanut butters. But if you go to their store, they got two. But they turn those products over way faster. Yes, so your model is kind of have a, a more limited selection of the key items. How many kind of SKUs or unique products yep. do you have in your set? And do you plan to expand beyond that? We try to cover every part of the house from the bath to the kitchen to cleaning, um, you know, and everything in between as far as accessories, you know, wine openers, useful products here and there. Um, we're at about 20 right now. You nailed it. We want to, well, we want to keep a minimal skew count. You know, if you walk into a Best Buy, I think with the terrible customer service they have now, the massive amount of skews has just created a, a you know, mass confusion. You know, you just walk in, you're like, I don't know what to do before it kind of worked because there was great customer service. Hey, what do you think? You know, you can talk through each product. Now you go in, they're like, yeah, go away. I think with our you know, skew count that is manageable, we can manage a store or small footprint concept online and in person a lot easier, a lot more strategic. So yeah, I, I um, we're at about twenty uh, so far, and I, I think I want to get into some other categories. Um, you know, we have ambitions to go a little bit broader. We've looked at flat screen TVs. You know, one of the things, one of the hypothesis behind the behind the company and and you know thesis i would say uh is consumer electronics people really care about name brand it democratized just like every other industry and i think we could do a tv you know no one comes in and says hey cool sony you know it's really just 
sweet 65 inch TV. Everything, the bells and whistles are the same these days. No one really cares. We could do certain things that Best Buy does as well. If we do them right. But again, that's a, you know, that requires a lot of investment, a lot of capital. So we're, we're, we're very strategic about what categories we get into. But if you're thinking big vision of Sonic Power, think, think that way a little bit. That's where we, we want to head. I, I like that a lot. And another thing that I'm not sure people fully uh, can appreciate is the challenge of, of inventory management, right? With a business like this where you're selling a hard good, um, you're taking a bet each time you kind of invest in a product because you have to typically order at least a minimum amount of, of products um, from these factories in order to be able to get, you know, them to actually run that, that product line. So what has been your inventory management strategy um, and how are you finding that going so far? As a, a hardware consumer business in electronics, yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, your our, our, our hair dryer was, you know, let's say upwards of $50 to spend per. Um, and, you know, when you add, you know, a grand, two grand, minimum purchase store, yeah, it adds up, right? For us, we've had to be really nimble in the platforms that we sell on. Amazon obviously was where we launched and we've done well, but this quarter we've added a lot more, what I call, you know, platforms, uh, but they're just, you know, sales distribution platforms. For example, now we're selling on all the, the morning show platforms, Good Morning America, CBS, uh, NBC Today Show. They have these like e-com platforms. They have a huge channel of uh, email marketing channels, you know, sometimes we're included in, uh, a morning show segment on air. So that's a good way to kind of, if you have some quote unquote dogs, which you always will. And in a retail business, that's a good way to sort of offload your inventory at a, at a, at cost, sometimes at minimal profit, but it's a good way to kind of have that top line revenue to reduce inventory, etc. Uh, another strategy we're doing, which is what you see behind me, uh, is uh, a pop-up shop. So tier one malls always have a few openings here and there. And by tier one, I mean uh, a mall with an Apple store. That's the easiest way to think about like what's a tier one mall versus tier two. If you remember Sharper Image back in the day, we get compared to them a lot. We have more useful products, you know, products you'll actually use. Sharper Image was gimmicks. But what was great about them is they brought you into the store, massage chairs, et cetera. You never really bought anything. So if we're able to get people in with those massage chair type products, you know, right now we're about 90% sell-through rate or 90% conversion rate, excuse me, uh, for people who get in the store. So once we figure out how to people get people in the store, they do a lap, they buy a toothbrush, they buy earbuds, they buy something, they buy something. So again, we're going to get them in the store. That's another way to reduce inventory. Um, you and I were talking about before the show, uh, how passionate I am about the pop-up side of things because I'm really fascinated and impressed. And, and I think it's a similar model to Spirit Halloween and what they've done in Halloween. I think we can do the exact same thing in the Christmas gifting space. So we've gone all in on Christmas. If you look at the front of our shop, which is not this way, but that way, uh, we have like Christmas-themed signage, uh, gifting made easy is sort of our tagline. So to come... Back to your original question, that's another strategy that we're uh, we're taking to reduce inventory and sell through quicker. Um, so right now we have, uh, to, to summarize, we have Amazon, which is about half of our business. We have these Christmas pop-ups, which I just described. We have morning shows, 
We're going to be on target.com to ramp up for spring cleaning for one of our hero products that are cleaning based. Um, and we're adding a, a few more yet to be announced. Yeah. We also have Shopify obviously in our own site. Uh, and that's what we're going to announce soon. On our partnerships there. Well, I, I think you have a really thoughtful strategy and just to make sure people fully get what we're talking about here. So the, the kind of Halloween stores, right? I'm sure you've all seen them. They pop up in the empty lots around your neighborhood. They put these kind of funky looking signs up and they sell you costumes. Um, and you might think, ah, that doesn't look like that great a business. Well, it turns out they do hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars um, and are an extremely profitable and powerful business. And most people don't realize uh, any of that because they kind of come across as this mediocre commodity-based business that opens up in dead shops. But they're quite good at what they do and are a really good example of kind of that focused-themed seasonal pop-up shop business that could come in at that right moment and be successful. So Spencer, to make sure I understand from your perspective, really what you're thinking is, hey, the holidays are a gifting period of time. Electronics are a great gift that people want to give to folks. So why not create the pop-up shop experience like one does with costumes, but instead make it focus on gifting for the holidays? Is that the correct way to think about it? Yeah, you nailed it. And there, there are a few companies like us uh, in the Christmas gifting space, Hickory Farms is is one of them. They're actually right down the aisle from us here at this mall. Mm. Sees candy, so in 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 like food based gifting gift baskets, it exists. But in consumer electronics, you know, Best Buy does x you know fifty plus percent of their business during uh, you know the holiday season. You know, there doesn't really exist as far as a pop up that's fun, exciting, you know, everywhere. That's the big vision for what we're doing. This is a pilot. We're doing it at a Brookfield pro uh, uh, property uh, mall. Um, they're excited about what we're doing. They think we're filling a gap in, you know, men's-based gifting or men's gift for women, women's gift for men type of thing. Um, you know, they want to see how we do and scale with us. Um, so that's exciting as well. So, yeah, I mean, you nailed it. It's, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting uh, segment for us. Now, another thing that you and I have talked a lot about uh, that I, I really appreciate is the idea of uh, beating the algorithm. Can you talk to us about what that means to you, what you mean when you say beating the algorithm? Yeah, that's a bit about, you know, the pop-up strategy where there's not a lot of brands that, first off, there's so many brands chasing the algorithm, meaning chasing, you know, what Facebook and TikTok are doing and, you know, how to you know, how to talk to the computer better and, you know, be friends with the computer more to get better, more views. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's all algorithm based selling at the end of the day, you can pay for ads, but again, that's also goes, you know, there's a, a lot of algorithm, uh, attached to that as well. So yeah, I want to create something that's more, you know, real and livable. And I think, you know, having a physical presence at least once a year with our pop-ups all around the country, eventually, even though we're, digital based, you know, that's where we kind of thrive right now. Um, I think creating sort of a, a mix of both is the future. It's becoming the future. You're seeing a lot of digital brands go into retail because, you know, it, we're getting digital fatigue, let's be honest. So if you're able to create a physical experience of some sort, I think that's going to be uh, set you apart in the long run. It might not get you that, you know, virality right out of the gate, but, um, I think in the long run, it builds more healthy business. We do, 
take digital very seriously. I like that. I think that diversifying your revenue streams is really important in this market. And I, you know, I've spoken with many consumer-based businesses where, you know, if you play the Amazon game too hard and then Amazon decides to whatever redirect traffic in whatever way it decides, all of a sudden their business could fall off a cliff. And so being able to diversify outside and win with the boots on the ground, um, I actually think is a really creative strategy that not many people are thinking of at the moment. Um, and is a really nice way to kind of, like I said, diversify outside. Um, though you have had your moments of virality, can you talk about uh, the product line that's actually done quite well and gotten you some uh, viral moments on, I, I think, Instagram or TikTok or something like that? Yeah, as I said, we're, we take digital very serious. I'm not against the algorithm by any means. I just think uh, it, you need to have a healthy mix of both. Or as you said, you're going to get burned. Many companies have gotten burned. Every company has never got to profitability. You know, the Facebook algorithm, like with Farmville back in the day, that was the first example of a company going, oh, oops. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, for us, uh, we've gone viral and that's really helped us. And it's been a sort of a baseline, our hero product. It's right here. It's a, It might seem like a, a scrubber with many attachments. You know, you can clean the stovetop, you can clean pots and pans you can clean your shower ground there's so many different uses i've cleaned my golf clubs um and it goes viral all the time we have 25 plus million views on instagram six million on tiktok uh we're starting to promote it more on youtube with the, you know the creators and the podcast there um but yes that's a great first product for us to like introduce ourselves to the world now you know 25 million people is a lot of, of, of unique views uh, and then you have to sort of get, you know, start to see what we're all about. So again, I'm not against the algorithm, not against digital. I just think you need a strategy for both. And, and that's not really a crazy comment anymore. There's brand up more stores going all in on that. So a lot of these digitally native brands are realizing you need a mix of both. So we're, we're, we're coming at it where I'm doing it all at once. And we're seeing what works and what doesn't um, versus like all in on digital. And then like 10 years down the road, five to 10 years down the road, go retail. I'm kind of doing it all at once for better or worse. Talk to me about consumer. What does it look like today? Who's kind of your core segment? Great question. It depends on the platform we're selling and the product we're selling. So for the scrubber, it's been state on mops. Uh, for the ice maker, it's been young professional men. For hmm. massage gun, it's been grandmothers buying for their children, their grandchildren. <laughs> Espresso machine, it's been a mix of literally everybody. But also in the store, we have like, you know, it's a completely different segment of, of people versus online versus uh, the morning shows, which is mainly stay-at-home moms as well. So it really, really depends. I think we'll start to narrow our audience a little bit more, but right now it's as broad as you can imagine. Much like a Best Buy or a Trader Joe's would be. Um, so, you know, that seems to be sure, you know, where we're headed. What has been a dog in your portfolio, as you mentioned before, that kind of surprised you, that you thought would do really well and just hasn't? Our air fry oven, which is amazing. Um, it's been a bit of a dog, I think, because it's a crowded space. We thought we were coming out with a unique perspective. We we went a 
a little bit more to like men with the colors and the design. It's priced really competitively. It's just been a bit of a dog, <laughs> quite honestly. So you got to be careful with the with the <laughs> countertop appliances. You know, I think we're learning a lot there. Um, it's a big buy. Logistically, it's tougher to figure out. We're not going away from it. I think just I just think we're gonna get a little more strategic, and we're learning a lot there. Now you you kind of launched the business eight nine months ago. Now, um, what has been the greatest challenge that you've experienced? I I mean I know there's all the traditional ones that a founder may may think about, but what's one that kind of surprised you as well getting into this? Managing the books while I'm doing everything else has been a challenge. We don't really have. We have an accountant. We have an accounting team that helps us. I've been pretty hands on with that. That's a full time job, man. I mean, like really, cash flow, inventory management, all that stuff is no joke. You're talking a lot of money. Talking a, a unexpectedly time consuming. You know, I, I. But you know, I think that was just a little naivety coming into this, and uh, I've learned so much. You know, I, I manage it really well now. But for first six months, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. You know, because I am a one-man shop here in the States. Um, we want to grow the team next year. You know, we have our two sourcing agents who are on the payroll in, in China. But from, you know, U.S. operations and just day-to-day, -day, it's me. Yeah, you, you've certainly run lean, and I, I think that's been a, yeah. a wise move, especially in this market. Um, and you guys have had some really impressive sales. What would success look for you in the year kind of 2024 and, and looking out even into 2025? You know, a success would would look, you know, to continue to the scale of the hero products. You know, I want to go more all in with the scrubber and just kind of create a, a, a nice base there. We have a viral product. People love it. It's not just because it's viral and unique. People actually love it. Um, it has refills off, refill opportunity, just much like, you know, razor blades or uh, toothbrushes. Um, we have a large wholesale order that uh, PO is coming any day now that we have to fulfill and and make happen. So that's going to be a, a big, you know, check to success and continuing continually to, you know, figure out our Amazon strategy as well is important. We haven't done any PPC, any traditional digital media. Once we figure out that formula, that's a success for us. Uh, I think it'll sort of just print money. I, I think if you're looking for numbers, I can, I'm happy to, happy to share that. But as far as just kind of strategically, you know, getting more mature, um, from our, our product portfolio perspective and, uh, you know, doubling our revenue, uh, I, I think will be, will be a success. And do you look at this as a lifestyle type business or do you see a, a kind of a path to exiting this business in the years to come? I'm constantly thinking about how do we scale this effectively, efficiently, profitably um that's that's the goal so whether it's an exit or a healthy business that's you know doing 100 plus million and and 30 percent margins and uh that's where we're headed so every, all the decisions sort of I've, I've been making and 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 piloting um are, are headed in that direction when we're ready Love it. Well, I, I know you don't have a raise currently live or available to to the general public, um, though hopefully my uh, our conversations can inspire you towards that in the future. But in the meantime, um, if folks are interested in checking out your product lineup um, or even in purchasing some of your products, uh, where can they go? What should they do? 
if you want to find sort of a, a general place, uh, social media wise, follow some Sonic Power on Instagram. Uh, it's a pretty active account. Um, and our website is sonicpower.co. Nice. And if you're in our neck of the woods down here in uh, the Chapel Hill, Durham area, the, uh, the South Point Mall has a, a lovely Sonic Power store as well if you want to check that out.